Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. We are keeping it going this month with our best of episodes. So we have come together and culminated some of our best podcasts over 2020. And today we are sharing the best of pitching and messaging. So what you're going to hear today are two of our previous episodes, one with the incredible Tracy Comlos that came out back in April. This was all about how to land travel brand deals. So if you are a blogger or content creator who is wanting to A, just learn how to land more brand deals and B, learn how to land them in this new space that we're in with travel, right? How do you do that if you're not traveling? We talk a lot about that in this episode. Then you are going to hear from one of my dear friends and mentors and peers, Brandon Lucero. Brandon Lucero is a genius when it comes to content and messaging, and he really dives into why you're not growing when it comes to your content what you're missing in your content that is actually hurting you and exactly how to fix it. This episode came out in its entirety back in August, and we are going to be diving into a couple of really good parts of this episode now. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. One of the biggest questions that we constantly get is from bloggers and influencers who are in the travel space who want to get paid to travel. Um, Now, obviously on my end of what I teach is that there's a lot that goes into that, right? You have to be able to prove your return on investment. You have to be able to really build case studies. You need beautiful photography because when it comes to travel experiences, as you know, a lot of times the the photography can complement really, really well and make a great Mm -hmm. asset. But from your experience, how do you collaborate with brands from a paid scale to actually get the airlines and the hotels and the tourism boards and whoever else may be involved to actually say, not only will we comp this, but we will actually pay for your services. How, how have you been able to do that from your experience? Yeah. Well, to be honest, it was a lot at the beginning, at least it was a lot of fake it till you make it. And truly like, cause I knew that whatever I was going to provide was going to be amazing because I know how I work. I know my work ethic. And so it was really about making the clients, the potential clients believe in me the way that I believed in myself. And I think that that's something that is so important is people really value, unfortunately value themselves based on their following. And I always tell that to the girls, like, you, your value is so much greater as a, as a, as a creator, as talent, whatever you may be offering is so much greater than your Instagram following. And all you have to do is truly articulate that and prove that. And so, yeah, we asked the girls to create media kits, to create case studies. We've done all of that as well. And I've done that too. And honestly, what I find is is really powerful is trying to, especially if you're trying to land like a bigger deal with a bigger company is to get on a call. If you can get on a call with someone and share with them your experience and they can hear the passion in your voice, that truly, I mean, it's the human connection. It changes everything. And I know that does sound a little bit archaic. I, when I tell people, they're like, but it's true. It's, it's so not, true. it's, it's that that's the crux of it is the relationship building. 
Yes, exactly. And you are truly leveraging your relationship. And I can tell you from a brand's perspective, you know, with Pangea, we get job applications in daily. We get people trying to collaborate with us all the time. And if, if someone isn't right away sharing with me how they can add value to what we're doing and it's a generic email, that's also something that is so crucial. So when you are pitching or wanting to work with these bigger companies or even smaller brands, tell them why you love them, tell them what they're doing, tell them why you're excited about what they're creating and how you can add value. So it's all, don't make me guess as a brand how, how I can work with you because I don't have time to think about that. So as a creator, as a talent, like tell me all the reasons why you're amazing and why I should choose you over all the other people that are coming and reaching out as well. And the power of a well-structured email is so underrated, but it makes a world of difference. So emails and like the way that you word it again, it's just like, it's everything. It truly is. And that's, you know, that's why having the right strategies to know how to actually formulate a pitch email is so important. Yes. Um, what do you include in those case studies and those press kits? Yeah. Well, so now we have so much data um, from our retreats and we work with brands to be sponsors on our retreats. And so, um, but again, we had to do a lot of things for free at first in order to start building the love that you said that it's, it's so true. Look, we had to pay our dues. You know, I, I also was figuring it out and navigating it and pricing yourself is such a challenging thing when you're just beginning and just starting. And so in order to really build a credible kind of media kit and case studies, I had to do things for free. And that was like part of me just like being like, all right, like this is part of the journey. This is part of the stepping stones and building, building and building. And so um, now we include a lot of statistics. It's all really, really data-driven. We ask all of the girls on our retreats to share their numbers of like how many stories they posted throughout the retreat, how many times did they tag our brand sponsors. Um, and then we will calculate what their global, what their impressions are based on their followings, based on how many times they tagged. Um, and we now have de- collected so much data. Like we see that our retreats generate anywhere between three to 8 million impressions for one week of, you know, just sharing and content. And, and that's all organic, which is really cool. Um, and so those numbers, when we're pitching to tourism boards, to hotels, to brands, um, are really attractive. I love that. And I love that you talked about how in the beginning, you know, if you needed to pull that data, because a lot of, a lot of times I hear from people, well, I've never pitched before. I've never mm-hmm. gone on a trip before. Or I'm just starting out. How do I do this? How do I pull it together? And it's like, well, you just got to do it. <laughs> and it may mean that, you know, if you're, if you really want to do this, you yes. know, if you really do want to do this, it may be taking comp trips, or it may be you oh, even sure. paying yeah, you yeah. to go Absolutely. And, and capture the experience yourself. And then, and then use that data to pull together those pieces, those analytics, all of those points yeah. so that you can be able to prove this is my ROI. I went to this place and this is what the, the, the hotel or the airline or what have you actually got from me posting and sharing. Cause I think a lot of times yeah. bloggers and influencers forget that these brands need to see data-driven information to prove that you are actually valuable, that, you're, that, that what you're bringing to the table is actually valuable to the, to the cost of all of this. And I think in the travel industry more than any industry, because it's, it's 
the expense of flying someone to Bali, mm-hmm. putting them up in a hotel, mm-hmm. you know, giving them all of these really cool experiences. It's not, it's not cheap. It's not a $500, you know, whatever, or a $50 sweater. I mean, these are, these are sometimes tens of thousands of dollars oh, that these brands are investing in. And so you have to be able to prove that you are worth that $10,000. And it doesn't mean you have to have 10,000 followers or a hundred thousand no. followers. You just, just have to lie. prove it. Exactly. So I would love if you would kind of explain how you or from just the experiences that you've had, how have you pulled together an, an entire travel band, a brand, like brand deal experience? in the past. What does that look like? I just want to go back to the last point and just share one thing. If you want to do this as a business, then isn't you buying a flight and paying for an experience to create the data that you need to create so you can start pitching. That's you investing in your business. The same way someone who wants to start a company, uh, maybe it's a t-shirt company and they need inventory. They're going to invest a certain amount of money to start building and creating that. So, or when I wanted to do a podcast, I didn't have a podcast company send me a microphone no, and podcast gear and a, and a computer. <laughs> like I had to, that, that's just a business expense, exactly. which can be written off. Yes. You know, yes. but it, it was, it was part, if I wanted to start a podcast, I had to buy podcast equipment to start a podcast. Exactly. I'm a travel blogger who wants to start working with brands. I may in the beginning have to pay yeah. for those experiences myself. So I can build up the information to then go and get deals in the future. I think exactly. you're so much for saying that. I think that's so yeah. important. And I think that that's just a mindset shift that people really need to claim because it's so easy to, for people to discredit that like, oh yeah, that's a business expense. You're, you're going on a trip to Italy, you know, but it's like, you need to know in your heart that you are doing this for a greater mission and a bigger purpose. And this is a you investing in that. And so just shifting your mindset from like, this is a vacation to this is a business opportunity is crucial in that, especially if you do want to turn it into that business. And that's how you, how see you, you see your life playing out and how you want to start generating an income. You need to invest in it before you can expect to start making money like any business that's out there. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on so you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff, and it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale, This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. From your experience and kind of knowing what you know now, being three years in, what are some expectations that you could tell those listening that they may want to start to manage a little bit? And this is not to, you know, deflate anyone or make anyone feel defeated or make anyone feel like it's impossible because it's not impossible. I mean, you have an entire business with 
I'm sure hundreds of thousands of bloggers that have done this throughout the years. So it's absolutely possible. We see pe- we see bloggers and influencers traveling every day all the time. But I think that managing expectations is huge. So yes. what would be your your tips and your feedback about the expectations that should be managed, about what's realistic versus what's not? For sure. And I think that that's so, again, so important to talk about, like managing expectations, because even with the girls that come on our trips, they're like, okay, we've done this now. We're feeling good. We're feeling confident. And then they're like, okay, but how do I actually implement? And so that's a big part of like what we talk about. And look, you have to know that there are hundreds of thousands of people that are reaching out to these hotels and companies every single day. You know, they are, they're bombarded, they're overworked and they're exhausted. And so what we tell them again, going back to my point before, it's like, you need to stand out and you need to do something a little bit different. So a well-crafted email will help you get in front of the hundreds of people that are also emailing, because I, I can speak from both an influencer side and also a brand side where we receive emails from people being like, Hey, I'd love to collaborate with you. Here's my media kit. And I will look at that and I'm like, delete, I don't even look at their media kit. And so, you know, if you're, if you're expecting a brand to respond to you, then I, as a brand expect you to put in the time to actually email me and actually show that you care. And so another thing, it's like, I I hate to say this, but a lot of companies are run by, by people who are maybe a little bit older and still are, are not sure what this whole world is. And I, I can tell you as a brand, we see so much more value working with micro influencers than really big influencers. So that's influencers that have followings under 50,000, anywhere between 5,000 to like 50,000 for us does so much better than 50,000 plus. And, um, that's because their audiences are typically a lot more engaged. The people are a lot more authentic and they really do connect with their, their community. And so again, it's about educating the brands and educating the companies that you want to reach out to and work with as to why your audience or why your community is so engaged with you and what you're doing. And I think like people right off the bat that are working at these companies will be like, oh, if they don't have 500,000 followers, we don't want to deal with them. That's starting to shift. And that's also really exciting that that's starting to shift. And again, I think it's just truly about like believing in, in yourself, believing in your worth and knowing that like, if you are determined to do this, like you will, it's just a matter of numbers as well. And like when I was starting out, I was creating these Excel spreadsheets with 500 brands. And my goal every day was to send 80 emails. And I would literally find the person to the, the, the person's name, what they did at the company, their email address. And it would take me hours to compile these Excel spreadsheets. And I, it's all in the numbers. So truly, like if you're trying to reach out to uh, hotels in Iceland, reach out to as many hotels in Iceland as you possibly can. You only need two or three to say yes. That's it. So it's a numbers game as well. And so I would say, don't feel discouraged if you are getting no's or if you're not getting responses, keep sending emails. And if you're getting a no, maybe that just means that you're not the right fit for them right now, but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't want to work with you in the future. So don't write them off completely. 
I love that. It's so, so good. And so we have three types of content we recommend. One is like the how-to, or we call them what-to-do videos. And we don't, we, we, I think that you should be doing 25 to 50% of your content is how-to and instructional videos. The other, you know, 75 to 50% would be what I would call thought reversals, um, which is reversing those thoughts that are causing suffering. And, and these thoughts, these beliefs can be objections. They could just be industry norms. And we, and we can dive into it a little bit more if you want. But the third type is, is connection type of content. And the way yeah. I like to, to explain this to people, just so everyone really gets it, is I've heard this story once of this guy who put a flea in the cup. And the flea would jump out of the cup. He put the flea back in the cup. The flea would jump out. So he put a piece of paper over the cup. The flea jumped up, hit the piece of paper, fell down. He jumped up, hit the piece of paper, fell down. Until the, Then the flea, over time, just started jumping high enough to not hit the piece of paper. So then the guy removed the piece of paper, and the flea only jumped high enough to where the piece of paper was and never jumped out of the cup. And most of us do that, and your audience does this every single day. Mm-hmm. For example, you might do a webinar five times, and now you have this belief that webinars don't work or you failed out of business five times. Now you think I cannot be the person that builds a business. Most people, all of us in some areas in our life are the flea in the cup. And what I'm saying is if you can learn to free the flea or your audience from that cup or that block that they've been in, that's way more transformational and powerful than a five-step video on how to do X, Y, and Z. Oh, and I want I want to dive into so just so much of this. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about um, it's kind of going through those those three types of content that really, mm-hmm. if if we only just created those three different types of content, how to what to do thought reversal and connection over and over again, that's really the only types of content that we essentially need to create for our audience. Right. And one of the ways that you help me do this, and we can just use you know, me as, as an example with this is that one of the beliefs, going back to the beliefs before we get into those contents, one of the beliefs mm-hmm. that my audience has that you helped me figure out how to essentially reverse was mm-hmm. this belief that they cannot grow because of the algorithm. The right. algorithm is out to get them. It keeps their posts hidden. It, you know, because of the algorithm, they can't land brand deals. Because of the algorithm, they can't grow a following. Because of the algorithm, you know, it's like Instagram is is just sitting behind their corporate office and looking at Susie Smith's Instagram platform. <laughs> and it's just like, I cannot wait to ruin Susie Smith's day today. <laughs> so I would love for you to kind of dive into how you helped me reverse this thought for my audience. Yeah, so... The first thing we have to do is just look at what the belief actually is. And in this case, this one's a pretty easy one to figure out. The belief is, I can't grow because of the algorithm. And so what we have to do is look at ways to discredit that belief. So if something isn't true 100% of the time, it means there's always a way to discredit it. And we use, there's 16 of these. We call them, or they are called, slide of mouth patterns. And if you watch, if you understand what the slide of mouth patterns are, you guys take the time to learn them, you'll realize this is actually what Tony Robbins uses when he does coaching. Like you watch him on stage. All he does is identify the person's belief and he uses a slide of mouth pattern. If that one doesn't work, he moves through the next one, the next one, the next one, until he goes through all 16. And eventually the person will, will break and they'll like have this big, big breakthrough. So what we want to do is we want to look at these slide of mouth patterns. Um, So a couple of them are kind of of called chunking up where you can take the belief and apply it to everyone. So uh, for example, if someone said, working hard is guaranteed success. I would say, okay, really, does everyone who work hard become successful then? 
And what I did is I took the belief and I chunked it up. And obviously the answer is no. So boom, in like one line, you discredit the belief. So in your case, what we did is we just said, uh, it was a version of chunking up. And we just said, well, everyone on Instagram, 100% of people on Instagram all have to deal with the exact same algorithm. It's not just you. So if everyone's dealing with the same exact algorithm, why is this person able to get a, a brand deal? Why is this person able to grow? Why is this person able to do X, Y, and Z? And so now what we just did is we took the belief, we kind of applied it to everyone else. Hey, everyone else has to deal with the same thing, but they're getting the results. So obviously it's not the algorithm and they can't argue against that. And right. so what we did is we just snapped them out of that belief and now we can move them into a better place of thinking or operating. And, and that's, that causes major transformations for people. Oh, I love that. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, yeah. and, and that, and that would be kind of, that would be a thought reversal piece of yes. content. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I want to dive into, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say with thought reverse. So the, the three types of content, so like thought reversals are designed to identify those beliefs. So these could be like objections or, uh, industry norms, or they could be limiting beliefs. So thought reversals are basically designed to identify those beliefs, and then you just reverse them. Uh, a connection piece would be when you're, you're basically connecting with the person because of a shared belief or shared identity, and then how to or what to do is are basically the instructional videos that, that you can use anywhere. But the one thing I do want to point out is, yes, we use these in videos, but like what we're doing with you, Julie, we're actually using them inside of webinars. So like right. these concepts, like the concepts we're going over, yes, they can be put into videos, but you can really use them in anything like ad copy, emails, live podcasts. streams, webinars, <laughs> podcast, yeah, podcasts, anywhere. So it's, it's really powerful once you start to like master these three types of concepts. And you, you teach this in your program. You walk everyone through the entire process. Yeah. So the entire process inside the program uh, basically is starts with identifying what it is that you do um, and how are you unique compared to the other competitors that you have in your space. Mm -hmm. And then from there, what's the deeper purpose? And then we start to break down, okay, what are all the beliefs? What are all the identities? What are all the things that you need? And then we have a, like a series of exercises people go through to identify these are the ones I need to do. And then the next phase is like, okay, how do we script it? How do we start to put it in all? put it together and how do we deploy it all. Awesome. And thank you for that. Cause this is something that for me, I mean, and, and maybe those listening can, can relate. I mean, I tend to feel like I'm a pretty savvy communicator and marketer. I mean, I have a degree in marketing and communications. I have, mm -hmm. you know, 13 plus years of marketing and PR experience. I've been, um, you know, kind of a leader in my industry for the last four to five years, but I had never learned Mar marketing and, and really persuasion and, and persuasion to me is such a beautiful, powerful thing and, and connection, um, in the way that, that you teach it with this messaging. Um, that's why I think it's just so powerful and it really allows, uh, people to influence in a, in a much, um, much more impactful and, and deeper way. Um, so yeah. thank you for, for sharing that as sure. well. Because yeah. I, I think that even for those that feel like, you know, well, I have a marketing degree, so I'm good. <laughs> I have nothing <laughs> else to learn. It's like, no, this is a whole yeah. other, this is psychology, really. 
Well, that's what I was going to say is one of the reasons why they don't teach it is because it, it really is psychology. It's really like, and this is why Tony Robbins is using it because it's all about brain science and the psychology. But what I've been able to do is, is take that and apply it to marketing. And the reason why I love it is because like, you know, influencer persuasion can be perceived by some people in a negative way. And it can be used in a, it, like, honestly, it can be used in a really negative way. But I want to take the tools and give them to people to use ethically. And what you're doing is you're basically building an audience and frame, uh, building an audience based off of who you are, what you believe in, and standing up for what you believe in and to create some kind of change in the world. And at the end of the day, you're freeing people from a belief system that they might not know they even have and allowing them to become a version of themselves that they've been trying to, but it's just been blocked for so long. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, it's, I mean, it is a beautiful thing to see in action when people can master and deploy it correctly. Right. And uh, yeah, I just, that, that limiting, a lot of times we don't even know that we have these belief systems that we have that are actually keeping us from the one thing that we want. Yeah. And that's why it's so scary is because it, it doesn't seem like a belief. It seems real. And so mm. the reason why it's, you know, people might call it a blind spot or something like that is because, and that example I have of like, if I was on stage and a hundred people watched it, people have a thought and they leave the, the idea that, that that's a belief never enters their head. Like they literally think that's real. It becomes their reality. Their reality is Brandon added value or Brandon didn't add value. And they never consider oh, that's just an interpretation or a belief. And right. so people have these versions of reality that they have no idea aren't real, but they appear very real. Right. And so that's why it's, it's so powerful. It's like that idea of like, well, I tried something once and it didn't work, so it, it must not work. And it's like, well, did you write a novel in kindergarten the first time you learned how to write? Like, yeah. <laughs> does it mean that writing doesn't work? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Did you did you throw yourself in a pool at four years old and come out and say, man, I'm not Michael Phelps. So swimming doesn't work. I mean, no. <laughs> so why is, why are these other things any different? Yeah. A hundred percent. And so can I, can I go into connection videos a little bit? Cause I think this yeah, will be really, I wanted to talk about, so we talked about thought reversal and then I want to talk about connection and then we can go into how to. Okay, perfect. So I think this will be super eye opening to a lot of people is it, the, like if you want to really connect with people based on who you are, and more specifically, if you're having the problem in, of like attracting the wrong people, or you have the thoughts of um, my audience isn't resonating with my message, or I just attract people that don't have any money, or if you just have any complaint about your audience, you have a messaging problem. And connection videos can help you really attract the right people. So thought reversals are great because they allow you to stand out because there can be a little bit polarizing, but they're incredibly powerful. Well, connection videos allow you to identify, hey, this is who I am. This is what I stand for and attract only those people. So for example, what, you, what I would do is, and what I recommend for you guys is I would look at what your top 10 core values are and num number them from like most important to least important. So for me, uh, family's number one, business or success is number two, or entrepreneurship is number two, uh, integrity is number three, and money is number four. And by the way, if you're a business owner and money's not one of your top 10 core values or top five, good luck trying to grow a business. Uh, it, it, yeah, thank you. It, it has to be there. <laughs> 
Oh, but, so many people are like, how do, how do I grow my followers? And I'm like, why hasn't anyone asked me about profitability? And they're like, huh? I know. I know. It's just like, you need money, people. But you need you money. Know, the, the more money you, you make, the bigger impact you can have as well. And that's the way I always look at it. But what you want to do is you want to number your top 10 core values from like most important to least important. And once you do that, you want to pull out the core values of who you want in your audience. So you go like, okay, like for me, if I didn't want to attract parents, I would take family out of my, those values. And you would take out of your top 10 core personal core values, you would take the top like three or four that you want to incorporate into your business. Now, what you're doing when you do that is you're actually pulling out your identities. So if we were to look at my top 10 core values, it's family, it's success or entrepreneurship, it's integrity and it's uh, money. So what my, what, who am I? Well, I'm a father and anything that talks about fathers and parenthood and stuff like that, guess what? I'm, I'm attracted to it. I will read it. And my top one core value is family. Well, if someone wrote a piece of content about entrepreneurship, I'm probably going to read that because my identity is I'm an entrepreneur. So if we go down the list, you'll start to see all of your core values are actually your identities. And when you look at your top core value, that's your strongest identity that you actually have. Now, once you have those, all you need to do is incorporate those into the titles of your content. So for example, if someone said, wrote a blog post or a podcast episode or published the video that said, entrepreneurs make the best dads, guess what? I'm clicking on that piece of content because it pulls, it has two of my top identities right in the title of that video. And I'm probably going to agree with a lot of the points that are made in that video. Will it attract everyone? No, but will it attract the people who are the most aligned with you? Yes. So if you're having problems with people that your audience, they either aren't resonating, they're the wrong people, I guarantee you, you have not been incorporating identities and specifically your identities into the titles of your content. And when you can do it correctly, you start to form a connection based on identity and beliefs, which are the two most powerful things to build a connection on. So it's 10. Is there a reason why 10? Uh, it could go more, but I usually find that it's, it's a little much after that. Like we have a whole list of core values and there's literally like 300 of them. <laughs> So I feel like once, if I give people too many, they're just kind of like, oh my gosh, uh, this is, it's just too much. And usually you want to go with the top like five, if you can, now obviously not all of them are going to relate to your business, but so we we tend to go to 10. Awesome. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the influencer podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right. I will see you again. Same time, same place next week.